caregivers are regularly told to take care of themselves. It's important because nearly 70% of us are hospitalized or die before the person we're caring for. That's a stressful statistic, especially when we feel lucky to get our normal daily to-do list completed. How are we supposed to find time to take care of ourselves as well? In this episode, I bring you as many tips, suggestions, and ideas as my guest and I could fit in about an hour. Barbara Cohn cared for her husband for a decade. He had younger onset Alzheimer's. In writing her book, Calmer Waters, it was Barbara's goal to help other caregivers feel happier, have more energy and time for themselves, sleep better, and feel more relaxed and confident. That's a big order for one book and one podcast episode, but you'll be happy you tuned in because she squeezed in a lot of great tips and advice. This episode is brought to you by Family History Film. Visit MyFamilyHistoryFilm.com to find out how they can preserve your family memories in a fascinating documentary film. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those caring for a loved one with memory loss. With me today is Barbara Cohn. She is an author and she also was a caregiver like me. She took care of her husband, Morris, for over a decade. Morris had younger onset Alzheimer's, as I suspect my mom did. And the name of her book is Calmer Waters. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Calmer Waters and why that's a really important book and what she recommends we do in this crazy pandemic time and for all times, actually. So thanks for joining me, Barbara. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. So why don't you tell me about your husband first? So my husband, Morris, died from younger onset Alzheimer's disease 10 years ago. And he was diagnosed just about the time he was turning 60 years old. I was 48 years old, which is very young for having to care for someone with Alzheimer's disease. And I suspected something was going on for a couple of years before he was diagnosed. And I begged him to go to a neurologist, but he refused. That sounds familiar. Yeah, because he thought everything was just fine. So the first big clue for me is when we went away for our 25th wedding anniversary to Spain. And he could not figure out the money exchange. And he was a financial guy. He was really smart. He memorized airplane schedules, train schedules. He ended up following me around like a puppy dog. Mm. So I knew there was something wrong. And then later when we came home, he started getting lost driving around. That happens. My mom got lost going to her nail salon and it was a less than, well, it was about a mile away. Well, she actually made it to the salon, but they got new owners. And so there was different signage and like different decorations and it confused her. So she went back home. Well, the real key to thinking there was something wrong, the, the ultimate one was when a friend called for directions to 
the high school where Morris attended in Denver because her son was taking the SAT there. And he didn't have a clue. He grew up in Denver. He went to high school there. I got out a map. He couldn't read the map. And then I really knew something was wrong. So to make a long story short, we went through the whole journey, um, which was tragic, terrible. We had two kids, uh, one in college. Um, actually, they were both in college when it was diagnosed. And I tried to keep it a secret from them for an entire year, which was really, really hard on me. I, I do not advise that. Don't keep it from your closest family. It just made it that much more stressful. Um, so because of my background as a writer for manufacturers of nutritional supplements, I got him all on all the latest and greatest supplements that are supposed to support cognition. And I ordered Nemenda from Europe before it was FDA approved in this country. And I didn't know that it was, hadn't been approved. I, I just assumed it had been around a long time. Well, it was approved um, after, so this is 20 years ago already, I'm talking about. So I got him on that. Um, this is after the diagnosis. And, and things did improve for a long time. Um, but of course, unfortunately, can't stay that way forever. So I wrote this book, Calmer Waters, The Caregiver's Journey Through Alzheimer's and Dementia, um, to help other caregivers through their journey to reduce stress, feel happier, healthier, learn different ways to cope. And it's kind of ironic that you invited me to do this talk today because now that we're dealing with all the stress of this pandemic, um, this book is wonderful for everybody. Mm -hmm. For you and me, for everyone who is stressed. And that's probably 100%. 99% of the population and I'm going to go through the book. I'll, I'll talk about why I'm saying that. So I was in a unique position, as I mentioned, to write this book because I have this background in nutrition. I have a certificate from the Bowman College of Nutrition and Culinary Arts. So I knew what, were, what some of the greatest silver bullets were. So this book has four sections. The first section deals with the spirituality of caregiving. And I invited some religious leaders to write essays. The second section is essays written by other caregivers. And I wanted to get other stories because as the saying goes, once you've seen one Alzheimer's patient, you've seen one. Yep. Everyone's story is a little bit different, and every caregiver's story is different for dealing with the world that's been turned upside down. No kidding. It's a really 
really tough time for everybody. I'd like to talk about the biggest section of my book. It's the main reason I wrote the book, to help other people. I just want to talk about some of the favorite ones. That sounds great. So aromatherapy. Did you ever use that with your mom? No, my sister really wanted to, to do the essential oils that are is essentially evaporated in water. So it mm -hmm. required somebody to deal with the apparatus to do that. And we weren't sure how to make that happen on a regular basis. It just didn't seem like something she could make work. But I do have to say, my husband and I have gotten back on our bikes. Cycling really helps me get rid of negative feelings and emotions. And the other day, as we're riding, the sun is really warm. It's still quite breezy. And we ride past bushes, orange trees in bloom. The scent is just, ah, just it smells so wonderful. And it really, when you like take in a big noseful, it's just, I don't know, it does something does something positive to me. So aromatherapy is definitely good. This was one of the things that I used with my husband that worked instantly for reducing his anxiety. This is a fabulous chapter in the book written by Lorraine Pounds. And she goes through all the different categories of scents, florals and citrus, um, and talks about how to use them to alleviate different symptoms like stress, depression, uh, low appetite, anxiety. So when my husband was reacting to certain stimuli in, in the environment and he would get anxious, I used a wall plug-in mm -hmm. and you can put some drops on a little piece of felt and it diffuses the the molecules in the air and it goes right to the olfactory centers of the brain and it, it would calm them down. So uh, probably most people are familiar with lavender oil. That's the most common one that's used to relieve anxiety and and calm people down. And that's also wonderful to use on your pillow. If you're mm -hmm. having trouble sleeping at night, you can just spritz a little bit on the pillow or on the sheets. You can also spritz some on a handkerchief and tuck it into somebody's pocket so that they always have that aroma. Well, at least for a while. But that's a really wonderful way to just uplift the mood and to calm things down. And exercise, of course, you notice when you're bicycling, it's so important, especially now when we're in lockdown, many of us are in isolation to at least get out and walk every day for 20 minutes at least when the weather is permitting. And if you can't get outside, try to do something inside. And there's so many great free classes online right now that are streaming. Mm -hmm. yoga, Zumba, dance, whatever you like. So what else? There's a chapter on art projects written by an art therapist. And these, these little art projects are so simple that you can do them with somebody with dementia. 
And so many times the person with dementia is told, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. But create, creating art is a wonderful way of uplifting them and, and giving them a sense of pride and accomplishment. What else? Breathing. Breathing. That's important. Um, I've been doing a lot of breathing exercises since this pandemic hit. Um, first of all, to strengthen the lungs. And when you do breathing exercises, and, and I'll actually teach you one. Okay. Um, it's called pranayama. And it's from India. It goes along with meditation and yoga. So you just sit comfortably. You can close your eyes. Put your thumb on one nostril. Breathe in with the other nostril. And then put your third or fourth finger on the other nostril and breathe out. And it's alternating breath. It's, it's interesting. So you're breathing in one nostril, out the other, in the other nostril, out the other. And not only does it calm us down, but it really is working the lungs and it's making them stronger. That's definitely important regardless, regardless of this pandemic, you know, you need strong lungs just for daily living. Right, but this is also a, a wonderful technique for just calming us down and making us feel more um, in, in our body instead of crazed with anxiety. I always find when I find myself getting wound up, stopping and just taking like three or four really deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth, really helped like kind of calm me down, center me so I could be like, okay, now, you know, going off the edge is not going to help anything. It's not going to get anything accomplished. It'll make it all worse. What do I need to do? <sighs> okay. Boom. Go forward. Right. Um, so another great healing modality for everybody is the use of humor. Yeah. And I know people are watching a lot of TV and movies and if you don't feel like spending a whole hour, it's good to just get on YouTube and watch some funny videos of cats and babies. Just something to make us laugh because laughter is the greatest medicine of all. And get on the, the telephone and talk to a friend and reminisce about the crazy things you did when you were kids. <laughs> that's a good one so it's a it's a good thing to do now it's a good thing to do if you're a caregiver to uplift your mood and I just want to remind people when you're caregiving for somebody with Alzheimer's it's it's really good to have a sense of humor and I'll give you a little anecdote my husband toward the end of his illness forgot what to do with a sandwich Mm-hmm. My mom got like that. Yeah. So one day I handed him a chicken salad sandwich and he looked at it and he said, what is this? And I said, chicken salad. And he took it and 
threw it across the table and said, this chicken is dead. And I, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And he ended up laughing too, because laughter is contagious. And it's not as though we're laughing at them when they come out with these crazy things, but we're laughing with them. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind. I have a funny anecdote. Mom was talking this one day about how her brothers are normal people now. And I said, oh, your brothers are normal people now. And she goes, yeah. And then she starts talking about something totally, you know, totally different topic. And I thought, huh, wonder what her brothers were before they were normal people. (laughs) It It was nice to have that internal chuckle about my uncles being normal people. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) So I want to go through some other important things that I think everybody should be aware of now. Um, One of which is making sure you're hydrated Mm -hmm. because um, the lungs are actually about 83% water and the brain is, I think, about 60% water. It's interesting the lungs are more water. Yeah, they're very spongy and they hold a lot of water. Um, But our brains depend on water to work well. And I want to tell you a little story about my mom, who died um, almost three years ago. And she was in a senior community in her own apartment. But she had a full, full, two full-time aides around the clock because she had broken her hip and she couldn't walk anymore. And she had a severe stroke. Um, she had very mild dementia. She got a lot of UTIs. She ended up in the hospital with severe dehydration and a UTI. And a psychiatrist called me and said, your mom is in full-blown dementia. And I said, no, she's not. I just talked to her the other day. She was fine. Well, she ended up being severely hydrated. And after she got her IV fluids, after a couple days, her mind was just fine. So that's just an example of how when the brain is dehydrated, we can show signs of dementia. And now with this pandemic, it's just more important than ever that we really have to stay hydrated. So just make sure you're drinking lots of good water Teas are good. Watch the caffeine because caffeine um, is actually dehydrating. We don't want to get too hyper during this. Time. Yeah. Um, That's all I drink is tea and water. Good. And, uh, you know, you've, you've heard it before. Soda, soft drinks are not good for you. Nope. My mom used to drink two liters of Diet Coke a day. Wow. Like, yuck. Well, um, so another thing I want to talk about is the importance of good sleep hygiene. When we're sleeping, it gives the brain um, a chance to actually clean itself of the amyloid plaque that builds up in the, in the Alzheimer's brain. So besides needing our sleep to rejuvenate and restore everything else that's going on in our body, really important to the brain. 
I know a lot of people are having trouble now sleeping because they're worried about their finances, about losing their jobs, about taking care of their parents, about not being able to visit their parents or spouses or other relative in a memory care home. So there are things that we could do to help us sleep better. Number one, turn off all your electrical devices at least an hour before. And when this first thing broke, um, I found myself glued to the news like most people. I was watching it way up until right before bed and it was definitely affecting my dreams. I was having really weird dreams. So just remember um, normal sleep um, recommendations. Don't watch the news right before bed. Um, we can have some protein right before bed, like cottage cheese or a piece of cheese or um, even popcorn, is, which is what I like. Um, peanut butter on a cracker, some kind of carbohydrate, bananas are good. In that way, there won't be um, a drop in our blood sugar during the middle of the night, which is often the reason why people wake up in the middle of the night, because their blood sugar drops. And I'm not talking about having to go to the bathroom, that's a whole nother issue. That's my issue. <laughs> um, so in that case, try not to drink right before bed. I know if I do, then I get up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I try to cut it off at about 8.30, but now it's warmer and I don't know. Well, I live in California. It's really dry. And so I find I have, you know, the water bottle by the bed. You know, I get up, I do what I need to do and I go back to sleep pretty quickly. But I also have a technique. I listen to, I listen to podcasts because the talking, the melodic rhythm of speaking is very, I mean, seriously, I'm asleep in two or three minutes, which never, ever happens. If I wake up and I don't, like I just say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna turn that one on. I wanna listen to that and actually be awake for it. I can lay there for half hour, 45 minutes or more. So I don't do that. I just, I'll just listen to it again. <laughs> if I have to listen to it four times, actually hear it, it's fine. Yeah, Maybe that's my. Well, I'm glad you found something that works. There are a lot of apps too that mm -hmm. have water music, meditative music, um, chimes are nice. I actually found just recently, cause I get a little, when I'm editing, you know, when I'm listening to my own podcast to edit make sure they're all the way they need to be to release, obviously can't listen to music or podcasts cause that would just confuse my poor brain. And this one day for whatever reason, I was like, I just don't want to sit here and listen just to this. And I went into the Apple iTunes. We have the subscription and it was in the moods and it had like nature sounds. And that's what it was, was like water and birds chirping and rain. And it was, and I just had it on really low volume in the background. And I was like, that's really nice. And so I need to make sure to add that to my playlists. It's interesting now when I'm watching TV, um, every once in a while a commercial will come on and they'll just play rain music. Mm -hmm. That's a commercial for Calm. I think that's the app my husband's been using. Right. Just to relax the viewers. I think it's really nice. Mm -hmm. 
That's a good way to advertise the app too. Mm -hmm. And as a reminder, what I talked about earlier, um, lavender oil is, is good for sleep. Taking um, a hot Epsom salt bath is a wonderful way to relax. Put on some music, light some candles, get into the bath and just unwind. And our body, we actually absorb some of the magnesium and the Epsom salt. And magnesium is one of the anti-stress minerals. Mm. And it, it also helps us sleep. If you can tolerate drinking milk, warm milk with a little bit of honey and some Indian spices like cumin, cloves, um, cardamom, turmeric, any of those spices are very relaxing to drink. Um, it's like a golden latte, if you've mm. ever had one of those. No, I have not. But the key is to, to heat the milk first. And then it's easy to absorb the calcium, which also aids in helping us sleep. What's well, interesting in my weight loss journey, one of the recommendations was if you are hungry close to bedtime was to have like a breakfast food. So like an egg or a bowl of cereal. So it's the protein. And I generally like cereal cause it's, it's just sweet enough with the milk and everything that you kind of get that dessert kind of hit to the brain. My whole family, well, my mom's side of the family all has a genetic sweet tooth that the listeners all well know about. And I think, I'm wondering, I might just try the, this golden latte. That sounds really good. Is it kind of making me kind of desiring it right now? And it's lunchtime or was. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have the recipe. I must have taken it downstairs, but. Well, if you, um, if you send that to me, I will include it in the show notes. Cause that sounds really good. Okay. <laughs> I will. I'll send you that recipe. So as long as you brought up breakfast, that was the next item on my list I wanted to talk about. So important to have a good breakfast, especially if you're caregiving at home. So what happens when we're caregivers is we get into this fight or flight um, chronic stress that can last for a decade. It lasted for me for an entire decade. And after my husband died, I realized I haven't been breathing properly. I ended up with other health issues, but um, when you're in a chronic stress situation, and, and now I would say almost everybody is in a chronic now definitely. Stress situation, the adrenal glands, um, they're the little walnut-shaped glands that sit on top of your kidneys, get stuck in the on position. So they're continuously pumping out cortisol, which is the stress hormone. So when we're pumping out cortisol, that can keep us up at night. We get into this vicious cycle of not being able to sleep and then um, we wake up in the morning, um, if we don't eat a good breakfast to bring up our low blood sugar, 
and grab something that's sweet, like a donut or an over-sugared coffee or a fancy latte drink. It'll spike the blood sugar, but then an hour or two later, it will crash again. And then you'll want a nap. So, and, and it really affects the mood. It makes us impatient and irritable. So the best way to fix that is to eat a breakfast with protein. Actually, it's important to eat some protein with every meal because that stabilizes the mood. So I just want to mention neurotransmitters, and then okay. I'll, I'll get back to the breakfast. Um, neurotransmitters are the chemicals in the brain that communicate with the rest of the body. Um, and they control everything from our ability to breathe, our ability to digest food, for the heart to beat, as well as mood, um, sexuality. Um, so we want to try to support our neurotransmitters. And the best way to do that is by eating a good, healthy diet that contains proteins and carbohydrates and healthy fats and liquids. Um, so for breakfast, for instance, probably cornflakes, banana and milk is the most common breakfast in America, but it doesn't really give us enough protein. Mm -mm. So I know I've been having a little bit of an issue keeping enough eggs in the house during this pandemic. Um, and I'm not going to the grocery store at all. I am totally socially isolated. So I have to depend on Instacart for doing my shopping. And sometimes they bring me what I want. And sometimes they don't. So this past delivery, I did not get all the eggs I wanted. Um, but it's a, a really good breakfast. Would be eggs and some type of greens. I know it takes a little bit getting used to to have greens for breakfast, but we're supposed to get five to seven fruits and or, and or vegetables a day. So if you get them in the morning, at least you've got something in you. So my favorite breakfast is sauteed kale or Swiss chard with eggs and a side of beans. Beans are great for um, protein and for fiber. Mm -hmm. And then if you want, you could add a little bit of avocado for healthy fat. Avocado is one of the best sources of fat that we have. And unfortunately, this Californian doesn't like avocado. <laughs> well, I don't either. I wish I did, but I can still recommend it. I've tried. I'm going to suggest the the eggs and the... Um, if you don't like kale, and I don't think I've tried Swiss chard, um, collard greens are... They're, they're like a more tender version of kale. Because being in Northern California, I had like collard greens is not something we eat up here and i tried it through a blue apron meal and it was like oh we actually like this better than the kale just because it wasn't quite as fibrous and it just like i said it was like a little bit more delicate version of kale same basic flavor 
And so, yeah, maybe toss in a little um, bit of onion. That'd yeah, be good. Definitely. I use onions with everything I make. So onions, mushrooms, peppers. That's another favorite of mine. Maybe a little sprinkle of cheese, if you have cheese. Um, also oatmeal. I mean, grains are wonderful for breakfast. You can add some yogurt, some nuts, flaxseed, if you have that. You might bake with that. It makes a good egg substitute in baking. Probably not a good egg substitute for eating, though. What's that? Flaxseed meal. Oh, you mix um, one part flaxseed meal to two parts water. And it's an egg substitute. Oh, I didn't know that. So, or no, is it three parts water? It's two tablespoons of flaxseed meal and six tablespoons of water. So that's one to three. I can do math. Oh. And that's what I put in a lot of my baked goods. Oh, okay. I'll try that. It is really good. And that's how I bake. I wanted to get back to neurotransmitters a little bit, and I'm going to have to read some of this stuff because I can't keep it all in my head all the time. That's um, understandable. So serotonin, everybody's heard about serotonin, which is the, the happy neurotransmitter. And it's estimated that 86% of Americans are deficient in this. Poor diet, stress which we all have now, protein deficiency, poor digestion, poor blood sugar control, drugs, prescription and recreational, alcohol and caffeine can deplete neurotransmitters. So serotonin is important for keeping an upbeat, positive mood. It's important for our sleep, our concentration, our weight. And when we're deficient, it can cause imbalances. It's also important for depression and anxiety. So foods that enhance serotonin are salmon, soy, turkey, cheese, eggs, spinach, cottage cheese, nuts, milk, avocado meat and chocolate um so day for the chocolate <laughs> yeah chocolate that's the the most important one i wanted to talk about today because we're all feeling stressed and also um gaba too many carbs and refined foods deplete gaba and that's really important for helping you fall asleep so no. we talked a little bit about sleep and chocolate, as long as you don't have too much and stick with really dark chocolate, it's known for its ability to increase our feeling of calmness. It increases serotonin and it stimul stimulates your brain cells to release dopamine, which is another neurotransmitter. I have a quick story on chocolate and calming. 10 years ago, I went on a huge weight loss journey to lose 100 pounds. Oh, good for you. It was like right around 9-11, I have my business bank account 
got hacked into. I'm not a huge fan of banks. They wanted to basically close this account, like immediately slam it closed. And they weren't being really understanding or really flexible. My immediate instinct, I was so frustrated. And my husband normally deals with banks because he used to work in the banking industry for 20 years. So he can speak their language. Whereas I just, I just lose my cool way too quickly. I had this overwhelming urge to literally lay on the couch and suck on a Hershey bar like a pacifier. I'm like, I am not doing that to myself. I know that's stress. That's not going to make me feel better. I just think it'll make me feel better. But my, it, it was like serious battle, good versus evil in my head. So I'm looking in the fridge. We had raspberries. I'm like, raspberries are good and they're sweet. That might help. And then I looked at the bottle of Hershey's syrup, which is pretty much sugar, but it was also zero fat and it's dark chocolate. And I put like less, about a tablespoon of Hershey's syrup on about two thirds of a cup of raspberries and ate them slowly. And it was just like, ah, I could deal with the bank again. Just that little kick of chocolate on them just made them into this wonderful dessert. And it made me happy. And it made me feel like I could deal with the bank again, which was important. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably even better frozen. Berries are the best fruit we can eat. We're doing definitely berries every morning with breakfast. So I went down to the Anschutz Medical Center a couple of years ago, and there was a panel of neuroscientists who all work on Alzheimer's disease. And one of the presentations was on the MIND diet, which is a combination of the Mediterranean and the DASH diet. And they're finding that people who stick to this diet um, pretty well reduce their risk of Alzheimer's by 53%. Those who stick to it moderately well reduce their risk by 35%. So I just want to tell you a little bit about it. Um, how does it differ from the Mediterranean diet? Well, it's pretty similar. On a daily basis, you eat at least three servings of whole grains, a salad, and another vegetable. Um, and they recommend that you can drink a glass of wine. But the researchers at this symposium said, if you have not been drinking wine up to this point, please do not start. It's not a reason to start um, because the jury is still out on whether a little alcohol consumption is better for your brain than none at all. Um, so they also suggest that you should snack on nuts and that's just a small, small handful because they are full of fat and we do need fat, but we don't want to eat in excess. And every other day eat half a cup of beans. At least twice a week eat poultry and a half cup serving of berries. And blueberries are best, raspberries are great. And eat fish at least weekly. Olive oil is the preferred cooking oil. So the main way um, it differs from the Mediterranean diet is they don't like dairy at all. No to little cheese at all. The Mediterranean diet is more forgiving. You can eat some feta cheese. 
Um, I think also the Mediterranean diet includes more fish. Oops, there's where I fall off the wagon. <laughs> but it's basically just an overall good diet with lots of fruit and vegetables, nuts, healthy oils, olive oil, and um, oh, and they don't like any sugar at all. Uh, that that's tough, tough for most people not to have any sweets at all. But if you are going to have some, it's good to have a little bit of dark chocolate. And people are just crazed right now about baking. I find that funny how many people are like getting into sourdough baking, which my daughter did, but that's because she's wanted to perfect making sourdough bread for a while. And she didn't really have the time while she was working. And now she does. Baking is good therapy. Yeah, I've always baked as soon as I hear about someone who's died close to me. My first inclination is to bake. It's very therapeutic. I bake a lot on the weekends. So when I bake, I also cut way back on the sugar. I usually cut it by half. And I use coconut sugar. Because when you eat something with coconut sugar, it doesn't make you crave more and more sugar. Somehow it just cuts that. And it's a much healthier sugar. I'm gonna give that a try. I use molasses a lot in the chocolate baking. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's much better, but I do. It's better. I think it's less processed than white sugar. Yeah, and it's always important to use organic sugar because regular white sugar is it's got chemicals in it. They bleach it. And who knows what else they spray on the cane stalks. But it's not good. It's not good for us. Probably not. Did you use a lot of these modalities while you were caregiving? I did. I used a lot of them. Um, I've included aromatherapy in the book, which we used. Acupuncture we used. Meditation. Yoga. My husband was able to do yoga for a while. Um, we used, oh, music. He, he would walk around with a headset all day lis listening to music, and I think it was a godsend for him. He just loved, loved it. He lived in a memory care home the last two years of his life, and he cheered everybody up all the caregivers, um, and then they got to know his music and they'd play it for the other residents. Dance, dance still is really important in my life. And I, I write, there's a whole chapter in the book about dance. I'm using it now. I used it then. The memory care home would have jazz musicians come in once in a while and we'd have dances there. Um, so now you can get dance parties online and stream them. And, you know, no one's watching you, so you can dance as crazy as you want. It's good exercise. It makes you happy. So there's a lot of good components to dancing. And being silly, I find sometimes, like we were walking the dogs and the kids have traced a hopscotch on the trail. And thankfully... It must have been bigger kids because the boxes are pretty big. <laughs> Sometimes they're child-sized feet. And, you know, I just, oh, look, hopscotch, doink, 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 and I hop along, and the dog's looking at me like, what are we doing? 
And my husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is fun. You know, and it's just, it, it raises your heart rate a little bit because you're jumping. And then, you know, it's like, what, eight jumps and then you're done. So it's not, not too horrible, but it just kind of gives you that little spark of joy that we need to spark as often as yeah. we can, especially now, but always. And when you're caregiving, even not in a pandemic. So there's a chapter in my book written by Dr. Ed Bowman, who's the president and founder of the Bowman College in Nutrition. And he writes about different herbs that we can use to... Oh, good. I'm about to plant a garden, so... Yeah, because there's a whole class of herbs called nervines that also calm us down, which are good for stress. And adaptogen herbs, which just help try to normalize the metabolism in the body and what, whatever we're experiencing that's out of whack. And which, which, which herbs would you recommend in that group? Um, well, I like Ayurvedic herbs or some mm -hmm. adaptogens, ashwagandha. Um, if you like, I could send you a list. I'll add That'd that to the golden latte list. I'm getting all hooked <laughs> up today. Um, all right. So I do want to mention my blog. Oh, I definitely, have a please. blog. Um, you could find it by just putting in um, Barbara Cohn and small letters.com. It's called the healthy caregiver blog. And I write between two and three articles a month. Um, covering everything from how do you know it's Alzheimer's as opposed to another type of dementia. I cover nutrition. Um, a lot of the things I've talked about today, I just posted a couple of blogs about um, the art therapy projects, horticulture therapy, um, how to work with your care partner on creating a little garden that can stimulate memories. Um, there's a chapter in the book on pet therapy. I, I go through and just post everything of dealing with Alzheimer's and caregiving, ranging from nutrition to with the, what is the latest and greatest study on Alzheimer's, different diets. So it's barbacone.com and, and also my book um, is available online from Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, um, Amazon I noticed only has one copy left, um, but the other outlets all should be able to get it quickly. So the book is linked and the blog is linked in the show notes. So they're hot link. People can just scroll down, tap on it, go right to the blog when we're done talking here. Okay. Or buy the book or do both. Great. And I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk to people. If you have any questions, um, my email is on my blog. And on the back page of my book, um, it's healthwriter1, numeral1, at gmail.com. So if you have any questions at all, I'm here to help support caregivers. H having gone through this journey myself, I felt like 
you know, it just made sense. I didn't want to go through this whole experience for naught. I came out the other end um, pretty healthy, I'm happy, and I'm, I want to help other people. What a fantastic offer. Thank you so much, Barbara, and whoa, all of those tips. This is an episode you should definitely bookmark and return to time and time again when you need a little pep talk, some ideas, a voice that's telling you you will survive this journey and it's possible to come out the other side happy and healthy. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to pick up Barbara's book. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday.